Welcome to the Purposeful Wealth Podcast, the go-to podcast on how to bring clarity, contentment and certainty to your financial life. Brought to you by Jonathan Gibson, founder of Wells Gibson and author of the Purposeful Wealth book. Pick up your copy of Purposeful Wealth on Amazon and please enjoy this show. Thank you for tuning in to today's Purpose for Wealth podcast and the seven things you need to know before investing all your money. A wise man once said, investing is simple, but it's not easy. The truth is, sensible investing requires you to firstly take on board three key concepts and then to follow what I would call four simple steps. But Before we consider these today, let's start by asking, why is sensible investing important? Well, I would like to suggest your investment plan is likely to be the funding vehicle of your future lifestyle. Furthermore, you will find it easier to plan for the future. You will be able to visualize what your financial future could look like. You will probably be less anxious about tomorrow. You will be more readily able to secure all that you value. You will enjoy a successful investment experience. You will be more readily able to live the life that's important to you and your family. And it's worth adding, you'll probably be able to provide for you, your loved ones, as well as the many causes and communities you perhaps care about. Sensible investing requires you to firstly take on board three key concepts and then to follow four simple steps. So let's start with the three key concepts that many investors fail to take notice of. Let's start with concept one. Concept one is the idea that attempting to beat the markets is a zero-sum game. Investing over the long term is a positive-sum game where bond and equity investors enjoy long-term market rewards. These rewards come from lending via bond funds and from ownership via equity funds. Attempting to beat capital markets, as all active or judgmental fund managers aim to do, is simply a zero-sum game. In other words, every winning manager needs to be funded by a losing manager. And supporting this concept is the idea that the average active investor will achieve a return below the market, which is equal to the average fees and trading costs incurred. And just think about that, that the average active investor will achieve a return which is below the market, which is equal to the average fees and trading costs incurred. Moving on to concept two, I would like to suggest that you press the mute button when investing. Why am I saying that? Well, as investors, we operate in a very noisy environment. For instance, we are bombarded by fund data revealing short-term market-beating returns of active managers. Yet, these active managers do not own the market. Most active managers will do better or worse than the market simply by chance. And it would take over 20 years to know if an active manager's performance is down to skill or luck. We are bombarded by seemingly great-looking track records of a handful of fund managers, yet an ever-growing library of empirical evidence reveals that persistent market-beating skill is exceptionally rare, and it's certainly hard to identify in advance. It's true that we 
as investors are bombarded by the marketing activities of active fund management firms. Huge, huge marketing budgets continue to push the short-term performance of a few star funds. We rarely hear about the staggering 60 or so funds that disappear altogether over a 15-year period. And then there's the comparisons to inappropriate market benchmarks or fund sectors, which will be used only to lead you further astray. And then we're bombarded by the many conflicts of interest in the marketing activities of financial journalism. You only need to read certain Sunday papers and you will notice their best buy lists or articles which have been written on account of the large advertising spend of the sponsoring fund management company. If we take time to consider the third concept, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. You know, as investors, we all want to capture high or steady returns with low risk. After all, as investors, we do tend to be guided by two main emotions, the emotion of greed and the emotion of fear. Anything that promises this, however, deserves much scepticism and really ought to be avoided. And know this, please know this, the risk-return relationship is almost impossible to break. If you want higher returns, you need to accept greater risk and material vols in the value of your portfolio from time to time. Also true, if you want less risk, you need to accept lower returns. Strategies that deliver steady returns until a big loss occurs can be compared to picking up pennies in front of a steamroller and probably ought to be avoided. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. So let's recap what we can learn from these three important concepts. Don't try to beat the market. Remove the investment noise from your life and avoid any investment or strategy which looks or sounds too good to be true. So let's move on. We've considered the three key concepts that many investors fail to take notice of. So let's move on. What are the four simple steps that you need to follow if you want to invest sensibly? Well, step one is build a deeply diversified portfolio. Step two is let the markets do the heavy return lifting. Step three, hold on to your returns for dear life. And step four is to maintain that deeply diversified portfolio that you have built. And if we look at these steps more closely and starting with step one, and what what do we mean by building a deeply diversified portfolio? Well, it's probably the only free lunch there is when investing. This means diversifying broadly across companies, sectors, geographies, and asset type. If you want to weather an uncertain future, then diversification is going to be your friend. It's your major defensive weapon against these uncertainties, whatever they might be. The simple starting point for your portfolio is likely to be a balance between well-diversified, high-quality government and corporate bonds and return-generating equity holdings. At Wells Gibson, we like to refer to these as lower-risk defensive assets and higher-risk growth assets. When it comes to those lower-risk defensive assets, we would suggest sticking with shorter-term and higher-credit-quality bonds as opposed to longer-term and lower-credit-quality bonds. 
And when it comes to the higher risk growth assets or equities, you will want your portfolio to own a broadly diversified global developed market fund. And the empirical evidence would suggest that we probably ought to add a moderate exposure to to less healthy company equities, smaller company equities, and emerging market equities, simply because there's a higher expected return in, in as, as a sort of compensation for that higher expected risk. Step two in letting the markets do the heavy return lifting, what does this mean? At Wells Gibson, we call it systematic investing, and quite simply, this means owning funds where the returns come almost entirely from the markets rather than so-called manager skill. We could refer to these funds as passive funds. As I mentioned earlier, attempting to beat the markets is a zero-sum game, and the data reveals that around 80 to 90% of active or judgmental funds managers fail to beat their benchmark over a 10-year period. At Wells Gibson, for instance, we prefer funds which are always highly diversified, they're transparent, they're lower cost, and they're structured specifically to capture most of what the market has to offer. It's worth noting right now, just worth noting this, the sooner you realise that portfolio returns come entirely from market rewards in compensation for sensible risks, it's truly liberating. It means there's no more hiring or firing active fund managers. There's no more blaming yourself or your advisor for the funds that have performed poorly. So we've covered those two steps. So what are the next two steps we need to think about? What's step three? Step three is hold on to your returns for dear life. As investors, we must seek to retain as much of the market's returns as possible. And this means keeping annual investment costs low. Higher annual costs is one of the key reasons that active or judgmental fund managers typically underperform their benchmarks. Over the long term, the difference between a lower cost passively managed fund and a higher cost actively managed fund could be costly, whereby you don't achieve or maintain the lifestyle that's important to you. And holding on to returns for dear life also means holding ourselves together and not doing the wrong things at the wrong time and for the wrong reasons. For for instance, investors are prone to chasing hot investments or jumping in when the market is high and bailing out when the market is at the bottom. However, this erodes wealth and in truth, these activities are probably a sure way to wealth destruction. And in fact, this behaviour has been estimated to cost investors around 1% to 3% per year. A wise man once said, we must behave ourselves to wealth. And last and by no means least is step four. We need to, as investors, maintain the deeply diversified portfolio that was built in step one. And so whereas step one was to build that deeply diversified portfolio, Step four simply requires you to maintain it. Portfolio maintenance means continuing to ensure your portfolio remains consistent with how much risk you are willing to take, how much risk you are able to take, and how much risk you need to take. Portfolio maintenance means rebalancing annually so that your portfolio over time doesn't become overweight with higher risk growth assets. And portfolio maintenance also means taking advantage of all the legal tax breaks 
such as using your annual capital gains allowance or or funding tax shelter savings pots such as ISAs. Every little helps, as tax can be a significant cost if not planned for and managed well. As we conclude today's podcast, remember, investing is simple, but it's not easy. However, as investors, we are more likely to bring clarity, contentment and certainty to our financial life if we pursue a sensible investment strategy by taking on board today's three key concepts and following today's four simple steps. Today is not meant as a specific advice and recommendation and you should always seek the advice of a regulated financial planner or advisor before building a portfolio. So please do not take today's podcast as a specific recommendation or action to do so. However, as always, please contact Wells Gibson if you would like to learn more about evidence-based sensible investing and how you too can enjoy a successful investment outcome. In the meantime, thank you once again for listening to this episode from the Purposeful Wealth podcast. Thank you for listening to Purposeful Wealth. Please remember to subscribe, review and come back next week for your next instalment. You can also visit the wellsgibson.uk website for more information on bringing clarity, contentment and certainty to your financial life.